Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. Today, I have the phenomenal Neil Mehta. He's the Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at EpiFinder Incorporated. EpiFinder is a healthcare software solutions and neurospectrum differentiator differentiation company. It empowers doctor-patient interaction, which we all know is very important to outcomes, and provides a robust proprietary platform where it encourages patients to take ownership of their health through the patient portal. It provides the doctor a clinical decision support tool and bridges the communication gap through engagement and analytics. Neil is an empathy-driven healthcare futurist, multifaceted entrepreneur, and biomedical informicist with over seven years of experience in digital health, leadership, and healthcare innovation. He loves to travel, he loves to hike, do yoga, in the leisure time, and he is an enormously dedicated individual in healthcare. So it's with that introduction that I welcome Neil to the podcast. Welcome. Hi, Saul. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, Neil. Now, is there anything that I left out in that introduction that you want the listeners to know about you? Wow, that pretty much sums up a quick intro about who I am and what I've done to date. I just love healthcare. And so Thank you. And I'm excited to continue our discussion. Absolutely. Me too, man. So as we take a look at the things that you guys are up to, patient portals, we're in this digital age where where patients are now more empowered. We've got this divide of patients of, hey, you know, some are millennials while others are Medicare patients. So we're dealing with very different populations. It's going to be interesting to, to dive into some of the insights that you and your team have come up within this realm. But before we do, Neil, what is it that got you into the medical sector to begin with? Wow, that's a great question. I would say that I'm originally from India, grew up there, studied in London and also in Australia, in Sydney, and then eventually came to Arizona to pursue my higher education in biomedical informatics. So since the time I grew up, my parents, my mom and dad, always wanted me to become a doctor. And I didn't want to. So, uh, oh boy. 
Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're a rebel. You're a rebel. (laughs) So since I did my undergrad in bioinformatics, since then the next logical step for me was to do something in my higher education, especially in my graduate education, to do something where I can connect with the healthcare system, the medicine. And I decided to pursue biomedical informatics. So that got my mom and dad happy because they said that now I'm in healthcare and I work and sit with the doctors. And that got me happy because I wanted to do fundamental and applied science along with focusing on engineering and the innovation aspect in technology. That is so interesting. And Neil, so you're applying your talents in this biomedical informatics field to improve patient outcomes. You've been at it for a while. What would you say today is a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda? And how are you guys applying that at EpiFinder? So that's a great question, Saul. There are a lot of hot topics that are out there, and it all depends upon on which uh, perspective or which angle each individual is like facing that topic on a day-to-day basis. But for us, it's all about access to care, providing care to the patients right from their home all the way to they end up in the emergency department to their intensive care unit to being in the hospital. And so access to care is predominantly much more uh, effective in U.S. Of course, we have issues. But at the same time, if you look globally, there are a lot of challenges when it comes to that, mainly in the second world and the third world nations where they, where the individuals even don't have access to care to even see their primary care doctor. And the wait list is so long that sometimes they have to wait up to three to six months. So I would say the, the way our organization at EpiFinder, we are approaching it, is that we, we are providing a digital health platform solutions to provide connectivity, interaction between a patient and a doctor. So our entire goal is to empower doctor-patient interaction while providing the tool which helps them to do that. So on the healthcare professional side, we have a clinical decision support tool, which helps doctors to go through that process with the patients to identify a particular type of epilepsy syndrome based on the patient's symptomatic information. And the way the doctor receives those information is from the patient portal. So a patient gets the ownership of their health by using that tool, and they are able to go through their day-to-day incidents or events or anything which they want to mention or take a note of and send it to the uh, doctor before the visit. So now what it empowers the patient is to be what we call it, like they are not anxious, they are not agitated, they are not like nervous to meet with the doctor because they have shared all of that information to the doctor before the visit. And for the doctor, as they are always running out of time, they are seeing a lot of patients every day. Now they have that information prior before they go and see the patient in the examination room or in the uh, hospital unit. So this is where, through the use of technology, we are bringing back the human-to-human interaction, which a lot of patients complain about. Yeah, that's a really great topic there and, and how we use technology to get that done. It sounds like you guys have focused in on epilepsy as a core area. How did you guys decide on on that being the focus? Yeah, so the way we got into the world of epilepsy is really kind of the universal uh, choice and the, the law in a way where my co-founder, his name is Robert Yao. Uh, he was misdiagnosed and bedridden when he was a medical student back in Chicago. 
And long story short, he ended up uh, studying his PhD in biomedical informatics at Arizona State University. And that's where we, uh, he and I met and started EpiFinder Inc. And the way what he built was a complex and difficult to diagnose conditions for that he built an algorithm to identify and help doctors to lodge those patients. And so when he presented his solution to a team of faculties and doctors uh, here uh, at the university, two of the epileptologists uh, from Children's Hospital and Mayo Clinic said, hey, Robert, you should focus on working towards building these algorithms for epilepsy because there are 3.4 million people in U.S. who have epilepsy, 65 million people worldwide, and one in 26 Americans will have epilepsy at any given point in their lifetime. And what happens is that about 40, 40 percent of the patients either go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed when they see the doctor for the very first time during their like first visit. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is like is huge, and it costs the U.S. healthcare system 15.5 billion dollars per year on average. A patient is diagnosed or get a right medication after being in the healthcare system for about seven to ten years. So it's very challenging. It's very frustrating. And the reason behind all these complications is not that doctors cannot identify epilepsy. They can. But there are 62 different types of epilepsy syndromes and seizures. So what happens is most of the time, the diagnosis is one epilepsy and it results into one particular type of medication. But after three months, you identify, oh, wait a minute, patient might have this type of epilepsy or this type of condition. And so it's like a lot of back and forth until uh, you are able to identify that. So what doctors told Robert and I is that if you can build an app, a tool, which they can use it in their hands while they see a patient in the while they're on rotations or in the clinic, it will be very helpful for them to input the patient's clinical signs and symptoms. And it should pop up the differential diagnosis for that patient. So we teamed up together, built a team, and in nine months, we were able to do that. So when we showed that to those doctors, the only one word which came out of their mouth was, wow, this is phenomenal. What it took them over 10 years to identify standardized and provide a uniformity of care, we were able to do it. So that's that's the reason why we chose epilepsy. Very cool. Very cool. Very clear too, uh, why you guys decided to do that. So now you've got a product. Have you released it in the US or are you guys mainly working internationally? That's a great question. So anytime you build a digital health solution, you have to go through at least two or three clinical studies. They are not clinical trials per se, but they are studies to validate the effectiveness, the accuracy, the sensitivity, and the specificity of our tool. So we conducted our very first pilot Mayo Clinic study last year uh, here at Phoenix, Arizona, where our tool was used in comparison to the gold standard, which is out there today. It's called EEG. And... Uh, the objective for us is whether or not our tool is able to screen that patient even before they go into the epilepsy monitoring unit and they get the EEG results on that. So uh, when the results came out, it was 86.8% accurate. 
So that's a massive shift compared to the current 60% which is out there. So now we can say that our tool improves the clinical rate of diagnosis by over 25%. So that was our very first initial study. So now we are undertaking two more clinical studies, one here in Phoenix with Phoenix Children's Hospital and another one with Boston Children's Hospital out in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, to really prove our tool that it can be applicable in any hospitals or any clinical setting whatsoever. Once we complete these three studies, once we go through the regulation aspect in terms of making sure everything is in compliance and also uh, making sure that we meet all the checklists, then we'll launch it here in the U.S. In the meantime, we are looking for opportunities to have this tool applicable and available, especially in the Asia market in India and China. Excellent. No, that, that's really great to know. And, and for those of you listening to the podcast today, and you're in the process of figuring out your path to approval, just know that you know it takes time, but you gotta stay committed to your solution and see it through. It sounds like Neil and his team are, are very focused on that. Around the corner will be the time when they get it out there, but in the meantime, it's showing upwards of 25% improvement in, in the diagnosis and appropriate addressing of epilepsy. So kudos to you and your team, Neil, for coming up with this great solution. Thank you so much. And yes, I agree with you. It takes a long time to bring a solution, especially in healthcare, out in the market because this is not a gaming solution. This is not just a quick uh, app, right? This is, we are dealing with people's lives. So anything which is used, we want to make sure that we are doing no harm. And if we are doing something, it's, it's upwards and it's towards the benefit, towards improving patient outcomes. Love it. Yep, absolutely, Neil. And so can you give an example of a time during that process where you had a setback, maybe a setback that almost made you want to stop? What did you learn from that setback that you could share with the listeners? Sure. I mean, there are plenty. But uh, one of the big ones which comes to our mind is that we thought that the reception from healthcare professionals will be a cakewalk after the Mayo Clinic study. But we realize that they have a great respect for their individual expertise. But what happens is that it varies across the board. So our goal now with our tool, mainly for the health professionals, is to bring a uniformity of care to our patients. What we are doing is we are standardizing the way the patient symptoms is collected. We are standardizing a way where our algorithm is working. We are standardizing a way where the patient-doctor interaction takes place. So by doing that, our goal is to overcome the difficulty in adoption. And we want to make sure that our doctors love the use of our tool, that we are not disrupting their workflow. Rather than that, we are supporting their existing workflow and providing a guided solution so that they feel more confident, they feel at ease, when they are using it in front of the patients. There are a lot of things we see it in news. We see it in our day-to-day discussions and conversations that, yes, we want to be the next great idea which disrupts the healthcare. But what I feel is that it's not about the disruption. Rather than it's about existing, rather than it's about helping the use or 
providing better support solutions to the existing workflow. Because if you create disruption, if you want to replace doctors, if you want to take away one of the processes which are out there, you're not making friends. Rather, you are creating a way where you're creating a lot of discomforts in the ecosystem. That's a great call out. And we are dealing with a healthcare system that has interests and ways of doing things. And so the question is, do you want to disrupt or do you want to make micro changes that lead to big outcomes? And we've discussed in previous episodes the importance of how application and implementation is the real way to innovate in healthcare. To Neil's point, you really don't have to turn the whole system around to get some big results. And, and I think this is the picture that he's trying to paint here for us. Neil, if you had to point out uh, the single greatest moment that you've experienced in healthcare, what has that been? Wow, that's a great question. I would say that earlier this year in 2018, back in March, I was invited as a keynote speaker at a medical technology conference here in Arizona. And, you know, I have like sat on the panels and I have, uh, I have logged some of my work, but never an opening keynote speaker, right? So that was a big moment, a proud moment where as a biomedical informaticist and healthcare futurist, I wanted to share a vision which is way beyond me, which is way above EpiFinder, which is something which we all who work in healthcare, be it a doctor, be it a patient, be it a pharmacy, be it a healthcare insurance company, a payer, anyone who is dealing on a day-to-day basis, I wanted to share something which is applicable and relevant to them. And what I share at the end of my talk, it's not about the technology itself. We don't lack innovation. We don't lack technology around us. What we lack is access of human inertia because human beings don't want to change unless they see an impactful outcomes by using something which they're not used to. And you can only make that possible by getting the buy-in rather than enforcing it, rather than making it by creating penalties around it. Because you can do that, but you will not get their actual buying. They will do it because it's, it's a mandate. But how about we create something which they love doing it, which they can do it no matter where they are, who they are, or how they are impacting healthcare. And so last but not the least, after my talk, one of the MD uh, stood uh, like kind of up the question. And instead of questioning like my talk, he said, Neil, you really hit the point hard. I've been a neurosurgeon. I've been in the industry for over 35 plus years. And every day, a young kid will pop out and will come and meet with me, like wearing T-shirt and jeans and say, hey, I have a new app for you, without even thinking why it's beneficial to my organization. And the way you articulated and made sure that this is a challenge for all of us to take back to our organization and think deeply that how we can focus on our workflow rather than focusing on bringing a new technology just because it's cool. And that was, I guess, a proud moment. Not that because I was a keynote speaker, but it was very well received by over 300 people in the room. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. It sounds like you definitely struck a chord, especially with this uh, neurosurgeon. And, uh, you know, this theme does come up 
often on the podcast, we talk about the importance of understanding our end customer's needs. And prior to going and building the next shiny object or technology, making sure that you listen and that you listen carefully before you start building and getting that feedback that you need, to Neil's point, to aid their workflow, not to try to replace it. And so love that you shared that. It's super exciting. Congrats that you had the keynote too. I'm sure that was a fun part of what you had to do out there. Yes. And it was a great moment for me to bring together all of my experience and all the things we do and I've read in healthcare in a quick 15 minutes talk so that it was concise, precise, and it was actionable oriented. Love that. So tell us about an exciting project that you and your team are focused on at Epifinder today. So current project, one of the projects which excites me is to understand the true economic impact of epilepsy. We are in a healthcare sector where we have fallen behind the um, in a sense that we don't calculate the cost. We don't calculate the impact of any changes or any uh, new innovation or invention which we bring out in the marketplace. So what we are looking to do is identify that if we are able to identify a correct epilepsy for that patient in the first visit, how that would look like, how much dollars we will be able to save for that patient in particular, for the payer in particular, and also benefit pharmaceutical companies because now the medication effectiveness in terms of the development and whatever the new drugs which they are bringing out in the in the market, if they are used by the patient right from their first visit, hopefully they are more effective. So we are building economic models from various viewpoints to really prove the efficacy and effectiveness of our tool for everyone who is involved, for the patient, for the payer, for the farmer, for the provider, for the hospitals. And, you know, I'm from India. There are 12 million people in India who have epilepsy. And about 1 million people die because of epilepsy each year, not just like throughout, each year. And it's because that they don't have access to care. They don't have access to a tool where they are able to connect with the doctor. They don't have access where they can share what's going on with them in an environment or in a place where they feel comfortable. Typically, they're home, not in the hospital. So right. we are feeling empowered to work in the area and bring about a positive difference in people's lives, not only in the U.S., but globally. That's awesome, Neil. And uh, I could definitely hear the passion in your voice. It's backed by hard numbers of people that you're looking to, to improve their lives. And so keep up the great work, my friend. It's great work that you guys are up to. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so, Neil, let's pretend. And you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of healthcare, the 101 of Neil. And so we're going to write out a syllabus here with your help. I've got four questions for you, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yes. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? So there are multiple ways, but from my viewpoint, I would say like taking into consideration of every stakeholder's interest, just what you were talking about, you know, we have to look into who is our customer, who is our target market, and then providing a uniformity of care in any specialty. It doesn't have to be epilepsy because that's where we are focused as our first product, but be it in orthopedics, be it in cancer, be it in diabetes, because by providing uniformity of care, now you can bring about an informative and engaging discussion between different doctors who may have different viewpoints, but at the same time, they know that they are doing it 
because they're putting the patient at the center. Love that. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? This is for all the entrepreneurs who are out there, just like me, because we all have seen the movie Filled Up Dreams, and they talk about if you build it, they will come. And that's how we started. <laughs> uh, that's how we started Epifinder three years ago with an objective. Let's build a cool next-gen app available for doctors at any point that they can use it from anywhere at any point. And all the doctors will say yes, and we'll start making money. And it's not the case. We have to really understand every individual in that ecosystem and design and align the technology so that they are receptive of the change and of the new habit or method that they have to implement into their day-to-day lives. What a great message, Neil. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? That's a great question. I would say that I'm just like a pretty face or voice in this case talking with you, but I'm very grateful and very supportive of my business partner, Robert, and our 23 team members who work day in and day out to bring this technology to life. And so we all do a like a quick huddle every day and a weekly team meetings where we discuss about uh, new changes, new updates. And so I listen, I hear from them. I share a couple of things which I read on social media, on various healthcare blogs. I stay in touch with Health 2.0. They are a really amazing organization which brings about new things which are coming out in the market. And along with that, a lot of updates from CDC, from HIT.gov, and places like that. That's awesome. What would you say an area of focus that should drive every company in healthcare? What is that? So one focus which we live, eat, and breathe is that we are passionate about making a difference in 65 million people's lives globally for epilepsy as our first step. And then we are starting clinical studies with the other two clinics, as I mentioned before. So we are focused on making sure that our stakeholders are happy. We are creating a study which is unbiased and randomized so that it's an actual outcome and not just because we wanted a good number or a good name out of that. You're putting patients at the center. So that's the focus which drives all of us every day. What book would you recommend to the listeners, Neil? I would say that I will recommend my very good friend's book. He just wrote his second book. It's called The Connection Effect. His name is Gordy, G-O-R-D-I-E, Gordy Buffton. And he just turned 30. And I'm turning 30 in like the next six months. So when it comes to like inspiration, motivation, he's a great individual. What he really talks about in this book is, you know, when everything is like siloed, you know, even health is siloed. So when you bring different stakeholders into the mix, you really build a solid connection. Of course, you have to put it in a way where, you know, we are not creating enemies, but making more friends. And it's logical and rational and as well as emotional, especially in healthcare. So he talked about that. He talked about his life story and what he has done so far and how he's like making a difference in people's lives. Of course, it's completely, it's a very broad book, but it's applicable in healthcare as well. Great recommendation. Listeners, check out all the things that we discussed today by going to outcomesrocket.health slash epifinder. That's E-P-I finder. And you'll be able to find the show notes, a transcript, links to the book that Neil shared, as well as a link to his company, Epifinder. You're going to find all that there, outcomesrocket.health slash epifinder. Neil, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best 
way that the listeners could get in touch with or follow you? So I would say that just get into healthcare, but be very patient and listen from everyone who is involved and make sure that you're not just putting your interest at the center. Because in healthcare, especially, it's not about the person who is buying or paying for it, is getting the, what do you call the effect or the benefit. Someone else is paying for that, someone else is using it, and someone else is getting the benefit. So there's a lot of like complexity in that. But at the same time, the more time you spend, the logical steps you take and the connection which you make will help you succeed in healthcare. And I would say the best way to reach me is LinkedIn. My name is Neil Mehta and type healthcare futurist after my name. So you'll be able to find my link. And also you can follow me on Twitter. It's at the rate Neil, my first name, my last name Mehta and 1414, N-E-E-L-M-E-H-T-A-1-4. Outstanding, Neil. And listeners, we'll provide links to Neil's email, his Twitter, everything there on the website. Neil, this has been a blast. Uh, Really appreciate you spending time with us today. And uh, congrats on all the amazing work that you and your team are doing for epilepsy. I think it's great to have a a company as energetic and focused as yours on on this uh, particular area. So thanks again and looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Saul, for having me. And thank you, everyone at Outcomes Rocket. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.